Hello and welcome to episode 54 of Fish Across the Pond, Marlin's UK podcast. I'm your host, Peter Pratt, and joining me today, we have a special guest from El Extra Base, Danny Alvarez. Danny. There you go. There you go, Peter. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for having me. 54, man. I mean, you've come a long way and you've been doing a great job and I'm really excited to, to be here. Awesome. Well, well, firstly, thanks for those words. And, uh, and, and secondly, thanks for finding the time. Uh, we've, <laughs> we've been talking about making this happen for, uh, for a couple of weeks. So it's, yeah. it's great to find the time to talk. Um, listen, what we need to do first, uh, what I'll let you do is do a brief intro in terms of yourself, your role, all the bits and pieces you're getting up to, because I know you're extremely busy. So <laughs> give the listeners a brief intro and then yeah, we'll go from there. <laughs> no, thank you, buddy. Uh, well, I'm the director and, and writer for El Extra Base, as you pronounce very well. Uh, also a writer uh, of Formula One for Triangulo Deportivo uh, in Venezuela. And uh, beginning this weekend, um, a TV color analyst for IVC Networks, um, a Venezuelan network, and I'm really excited about it. Um, and also a podcaster for Swings and Mishes and Español. You know, our, our good friend Craig Mish has the Swings and, Swings and Mishes podcast, and I'm on the Spanish version uh, along with, alongside with uh, Oscar Prieto Rojas. And, and yeah, I covered uh, the Marlins, the Miami Marlins, uh, on every single home game. Now we cover almost every game because they're on the road. And we have Zoom calls and we're not traveling with the team and not able to, to see batting practice or going to the clubhouse. So, but we still have access uh, to the players and, and manager before and after the game. So, yeah, we can, we can really say that we've been covering the Marlins every single game this year. Yeah, awesome. And just, you know, let's, uh, let's touch on that briefly now in terms of, um, I guess, media coverage of an MLB team the Marlins in this case through the pandemic how's that felt for you and really how different has it been and equally uh how has it impacted the stuff that you normally do after in terms of reporting etc well it's it's a whole different world right I mean and the one we're living in I mean um Baseball is not an exception, uh, unfortunately, to, to everything that's that's going on. Uh, usually, I go to the ballpark. I arrive at three. I mean, let's say the game is at seven. I arrive four hours before first pitch. And we go into the clubhouse. I chat with the players. And, and then I see the batting practice and uh, obviously the press conference with Matt Ingley before the game. And it's it's really different because now we have to – we have the Zoom calls and – it is up to, you know, to the PR department, I mean, who, who we're getting, you know, to talk to. And now, I mean, if you're covering a team every single day, like you just choose who to talk with, except from the starting pitcher of that day uh, before the game. Um, but yeah, usually I go into a clubhouse and I talk to the players on and off the record, of course. And sometimes the best stories are when, when you're with them. Uh, yeah. they, they came out when, when you're talking to them uh, closely, but... I guess we we gotta wait. Of course, it's it's impacting us um, because we usually have the the one-on-one -on -one mm -hmm. interviews with with the players. And but yeah, I mean, we we might get to to that point uh, hopefully sooner rather than than later. Now we we have the vaccine and everything that we need to to go back to 
our former normality or whatever. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, we we have to to wait for it, but it's been pretty interesting because I mean, this gave us the opportunity to share with guys like you. I mean, you're in in the UK, and now we have you on on every uh, Zoom call, and you know, with with Donny and or the players, and it's it's really good. Oh well, I, absolutely, it's been a positive for me. I know. I know it's different for you guys for sure. And that was, that was, I guess, the, the extraordinary type of opportunity. And when me and Jason were talking, I said, listen, you know, normally we couldn't do this because of what's going on. It creates an opportunity for me to, I guess, you know, dial in and listen in and engage with, with Donnie and the guys and, and you guys as well. That's been the other positive. It's been you know great to get to know you guys as well, for sure. So, you know, it's been positive for me. I know it's it's harder for you because you know so much of what you do is is in the clubhouse, right? You know, there's a lot of you know Venezuelan guys around the Marlins yeah. and whatever that I know you'd be building a lot of relationships with and missing out on in some ways, and you know on a day to day basis. So know that. Yeah, and and, and not, I mean not only Marlins players because when I when I go to to Marlins Park, I also talk to the players on the on the other clubhouse. Yeah. So cool. right now, I mean, I mean, it's, you have a you know, direct access to them. But now, like, you have to, you know, call or, you know, send an email to, I mean, other teams, PR department or whatever, um, to get, you know, on the Zoom calls and to ask for a player. So it's been, you know, challenging. It's been pretty, you know, a bit more difficult. But uh, hopefully we're, we're just, we have baseball and, and we're still doing uh, what we love because, honestly, in may or june like there was a point where, when, when i thought okay maybe we're not gonna play this year mm -hmm. we're not gonna report anything this year so but hopefully we have it and hopefully the marlins uh can go back on the field really soon yeah well i mean from a media perspective there's i mean the marlins for, for all the wrong reasons we've got to say have, have been at the height of media coverage in the past uh couple of days so we can't get away from that one but let's let's park that one for a, for a few minutes away from baseball you've already mentioned uh f1 and yep. you're involved heavily in that but away from baseball you know what keeps you active what are you interested in what are the sports kind of catch your eye and, and that you follow well nba for sure now nba is back fortunately uh formula one of course and and football uh what we call soccer here or in, in football in venezuela uh but football and I'm a huge I don't know you don't like it but I'm a huge Man United fan I'm really happy that we're back you know in the UCL and hopefully we get our crown next year because we I think we, we belong there <laughs> <laughs> absolutely this is this is a huge boat of contention for, for this podcast in particular uh, as, as you as you well know of the four guys that that are the regulars me included on on this podcast, three of us are, are Liverpool, big Liverpool fans. And the other one, Rob Newell, uh, is Norwich. So, okay. Um, you know, yeah. That, that's <laughs> he, they've had a tough time. Um, but yeah, that's an interesting one. Just on Man United, let's just kind of round up on them. I guess they, they actually performed well after the break. I felt like they found a bit of a groove. So yeah. what do you think about them guys for the next season? Well, I'm, I'm pretty excited. And you know what? It kind of reminds me uh, a little bit of the Marlins process, right? I yeah. mean, with with all the prospect and and the 
youngsters coming up and you know delivering right away well maybe Manchester Manchester United it's something kind of similar um with a deep you know young core um and you know we can call it the minors of course mm -hmm. same is happening with the Marlins same is happening with Man United and at some point they're gonna start bringing some you know maybe more stars to the team uh I was impressed uh with Bruno Fernandes and everything he did you know, after the break, and and really since I mean, from the f day one he he came to to the team to to Man United. I was really impressed by that. I love to see Pogba performing very well. I mean, we we all kind of expected that from him uh, when they bought him. So so yeah, I mean, it it really impressed me. All the I mean, the chemistry, the communication, everything. Um, you know, from the head coach to the coaching staff and, and the players. I mean, everything worked perfectly. Um, maybe they missed on a couple of points one game or the other, but I mean, they did very well. Uh, I think the main goal, they achieved that, you know, going back into to the Champions League and, and yeah, I'm really, really excited. Uh, of course, I think they're a step or two behind Liverpool. It's hard for me to, to say that, but uh, <laughs> I, think, I think we're getting in there. But now, I mean, if, if you see all the, the process that, I mean, Liverpool process and everything they did in the last couple of years before being this successful mm -hmm. um, team and this successful powerhouse, I mean, that's the way I call it. I mean, you got to learn from it. And, and I think that if you follow, follow that blueprint, doing things the right way, uh, adapting some, you know, things that they did and also creating your own culture, uh, you're going to be successful. And that's, I think that's what Man United is doing right now. Yeah. I tell you what, I didn't, I didn't think we'd, we'd make that connection, but now the more you talk about Man United and the Marlins, you know, there's. You never thought about it, right? Well, I hadn't, <laughs> I hadn't, I really hadn't. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's hard for me, you know, when you're a Liverpool fan, I was born in Liverpool and my family are all from Liverpool and it's hard to look at Man United as anything other than just the enemy. That's all you can see. You can't, yeah. you can't see anything beyond that. But it's an interesting connection I hadn't thought of. One thing that definitely is different is the financial resources available. Um, of course, <laughs> of course. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a whole different thing. But I think that eventually they will get there um both yeah. both teams i mean of course manchester i mean they can buy whoever they want right now but i mean you have to do it the right way you have to yeah. be be wise with it so the marlins i mean i hope they get a the new tv contract a better one for sure i think it can be worse than than no. the one they actually have uh this is of course not jeter's fault this is Lorias and samson and that group fault but um yeah, let's, let's see what happens when, with them. I think uh, eventually Man United is going to be um, back on top, fighting with um, with Liverpool, uh, Manchester City, and eventually the Marlins will be fighting with the Braves and the Nationals and the Phillies and those guys. Absolutely. I love the way this podcast is shaping up. This <laughs> is totally unexpected, but, but beautiful. Um, so I'm, I'm loving this. Um, Listen, before we get into this season, let's, let's just talk about, I guess, uh, from your perspective, favorite Marlin ever. Let's kind of, you know, give the listeners a yeah. sense of, you know, who's excited you over the years as a, 
as a Marlin fan and I guess how you became a Marlin fan and, and your story, I guess, leading up to where you are now. Yeah, so uh, I was born in, in Venezuela and in Venezuela, kids, I mean, we're born with a bat in our hands. <laughs> we follow baseball since, since day one, especially in my family. My, my mom, she's, she has been a baseball writer uh, for almost 30 years now. She was the public address announcer of a team in Venezuela, and she was the, the oh. first one to, to actually ever do it in the Caribbean. So my, my connection with baseball has been, you know, really strong since, since I was born. So obviously I follow every Venezuelan player. I grew up as a Red Sox fan, uh, but I followed Miguel Cabrera on, on the Marlins. And yeah, like we, we had Cabrera and Anibal Sanchez um, and a couple of guys playing with, with the team. So you kind of following every, every single team because fortunately, you know, for Venezuelans, we have almost uh, on every team, we have, we have at least one player mm -hmm. uh, playing. So that's that's pretty cool but I, I came to the us in 2013 for a vacation trip and i told my parents and my, and my brother like hey we need to to go to the stadium not just to watch one game um, because the marlins have henderson alvarez the right-hander venezuelan pitcher he's doing very well and they also have jose fernandez and jose he he might be the rookie of the year I really think he's going to be a rookie of the year. Of course, Puig on, on the Dodgers, he was playing with the Dodgers on that time and he was doing really good as well. And I said, but I think Jose right now is the number one candidate uh, for that award. So they accepted for game one with Henderson pitching against the Mets and they won that game. And then we went back um, two days before that, uh, two days after that. And Jose, I mean, I made a promise with my parents and it was okay. Like we're going to see Jose, but whenever he leaves the game, I don't care if it's four or five or six innings, uh, we're leaving too. And I was like, okay, I just want to see Jose. That's everything I want to do. And that night he pitched eight innings with 14 strikeouts. I think two or three hits, just a walk, no runs. It was at that time, the best game of his career. And I was so excited. And wow. I mean, we, we stayed for the whole game. They were all so excited. And that time I said, you know what? I really like this young team because Yelich was making his debut. I mean, he had like two weeks in the big leagues. Stan, of course, was an all-star already. Mm -hmm. uh, but they had they had Osuna and Arini Hechavarria at the time. And you, the, the prospects they had, you know, at that moment with J.T. Real Muto coming up. You know, it was a really exciting uh, group. So I said, you know what? I mean, this is, the, this is a team to follow. And I was watching every single game in Venezuela, more than the Red Sox. And all of a sudden, I said, you know what? I became a Marlins fan, like, out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. And then in 2014, we moved to the U.S. Uh, to live here. And I was so excited, like, hey, you know what? I'm going to miss my country, of course. But I'm going to be able to do what I want to do. Uh, and that's been a you know, to, to cover a baseball team on, on a daily basis and writing and now doing TV and, and radio and, you know, watching big league teams almost every single day. And that's what I'm doing right now. I'm, I'm blessed by, by this opportunity. And yeah, all of a sudden I became a Marlins fan and now I live in Miami. <laughs> there you go. I mean, perfect. Hey, we do have, we do have one thing in common there because I didn't realize this. If this was, you know, I got into the Marlins like a lot of my UK uh, 
um, friends have gone into their baseball teams. They go somewhere on holiday, end up going to watch a baseball game, you know, for whatever reason and fall in love with the game, let's say. And uh, I, I, I was the same. I'd actually been to, my brother now lives in St. Louis. So I'd been to Bush okay. to watch a game and I was, I absolutely loved it. Um, I'm actually a big, I've, I've been a big cricket fan actually. So like okay. there's a natural synergy there too in yeah. terms of like, you know, pace of play and, you know, watching, you know, yeah, you know, kind of a, I don't know, like a, like a, like a, I don't know, like kind of an uncle of baseball or something like that. You know, it's because yeah. they're pretty similar in, in some things. Exactly. So I was, I enjoyed it and, but I didn't come away going, right, I'm going to be a Cardinals fan. I just wasn't hooked like on that yeah. team. I fell into, we, I mean, we had a lot of beers on board. I must say that day, it was a lot of fun. Went next door to Ballpark Village and the beers carried on. It just got out of hand. But that was, you know, that aside. But then went to, to Marlins Park for a game. And um, it was actually Stanton that, that turned me into a Marlins fan, like there and then. Hit a huge home run. I'd never seen anything like it. And I was like, holy shit, this dude is incredible. Yeah. And it was when, when, what, when, what, when was that? Uh, 2016, 2016 was, 2016, okay. was when I was there. But the thing that we, we have in common there though, is I didn't know it, but Jose Fernandez pitched that day. So oh, cool. I, I didn't know at the time I didn't follow baseball. I didn't know what I was watching, but now when yeah. I look back only because I, I actually rewatched when we went into lockdown and quarantine or whatever, I rewatched the game to see, you know, to remind myself. And I was like, Wow, against, Jose was pitching. Uh, yeah, like which which team well, they, they were facing? The Mets, uh, the maybe? Diamondbacks. The Diamondbacks, yeah. Oh, okay. So here's the story. That was the only start from Jose that I missed that season. No way. In, 20, in, 20, in 2016. Like he started 17 times, 16 in, in regular season, uh, because he started a game against the Yankees. It was a spring training game, but it was played at Marlins Park. And that Diamondback skin was the only start I missed from Jose that year, the only one. I I remember he he was he was wearing the the blue glove. It was pretty unique because he he also he he I mean he always had a you know the orange glove that was his kind of yeah. his signature or whatever. Mm-hmm. And but but that was the only one that I missed. But I remember that game. <laughs> wow, there you go. So yeah, Stanton hit hit a bomb. Maybe I don't know third fourth inning whatever it was center field shot um yeah. and i was like wow here we go i went straight to the club store bought a jersey standing on the back put it on was like yeah i'm in and that was absolutely that was me so um you know i was i was allured by big g i just didn't know i was watching greatness in in jose either <laughs> yeah. but I, just, I just didn't know it because i wasn't i didn't understand the game enough at that point but um you know incredible incredible stuff listen we can carry on down memory lane for years, I bet. So let's for sure. let's keep it rolling. I, one thing that you mentioned earlier as well that I'll I'll kind of use as a segue. You mentioned you're talking about like a an exciting young group um, and the buzz around them. You know, in 2013, 14, uh, with that with that kind of team. Um, just give me a sense when you were in spring. So not 2.0, but actual spring. Just actual give me a spring, sense, yeah. like you know, what was the buzz around camp because. I think the Marlins made some some real nice moves and brought in some really you know some really talented guys. So just gives a sense of what you were seeing before everything got shut down. 
Well, it, it was pretty exciting. Uh, I think since Jitter came uh, and, and took over the, the team, I think this one was the most exciting spring we, we've had in, you know, in, in three years because Monte was doing really good. Like we saw Jordan Hollow and, and Alex Vessia and Jazz Chisholm and Devers and, and those young guys. You know, with guys like Dickerson and now Aguilar and Cervelli and, and those guys that they brought up to the team. And I felt, you know what, this this team really has a chance to, to do very great things uh, because it, it is a real project. I don't know how it's going to pay out, but I know that I know they're doing things the right way. With prospects like Monte and Sixto and Edward Cabrera and Gerard Encarnacion and... Uh, you see J.J. Bleday, Trevor Rogers, Braxton Garrett, and, and you, can, you can feel it. And talking to, to Cervelli, I asked him, like, hey, I mean, I mean pitching, I, I think, is the, the best part of this young group. Yeah. So tell me about it. He's like, you know what? I'm so excited to see this young core with Edward Cabrera. He told me, Edward Cabrera, I mean, he throws the best opens here on, on this team. I mean, you see his fastball and, and breaking ball and changeup. I mean, it's something beautiful. And then you have Sixto and Garrett and Rogers. And now I'm excited to see Max Meyer. I mean, he's, he's going to be a, a stud, you know, whenever he, he gets to the, to the big leagues. But that slider is nasty as hell. <laughs> I mean, I see it and it's, it's really close to, to, to a slider that Jose threw in, in, in the big league. So, you know, that for me, that was the most exciting part. And also to know that there are a couple of veterans with uh, Migiro, Dickerson, Aguilar, Jonathan Villar, and the players that had experience from, from last year, like Alfaro, uh, Isan Diaz, um, Yamamoto, Sandy, who pitched the whole year, was an all-star. So I think the atmosphere was really good. That's something, something important for, for the team. Um, because even though they are not the favorites to win the division, uh, I, don't, I don't think they're, they're going to win the division. I, I think they still might be the fifth team on, on the NL East because it's not an easy division either. No. But to have the oppor opportunity to play with the Nationals, the Phillies, the uh, Braves, the Mets, those teams are always on the hunt and they're always fighting for, for something from the very beginning until the last month of the season. And when you have that experience, you know, playing games that actually, you know, that actually matter for, for something, that's going to be good uh, for, for a team. You see what happened to the Astros in 2014 and then 2015. They went to the postseason. They lost in the first round, but then they went back two, two years later and they, they won uh, the championship. Of course, we know everything that happened with the <laughs> sign stealing scandal and trash can and whatever. You, you can say whatever you want, but they had the talent and they had experience. So I think that something like that can happen with the Marlins, uh, with, with the young group they have, they have and, and the experience they're, they're gaining you know, every, every single game. <clears throat> just, just give us a sense as well on, because, you know, not, not everyone, particularly the UK listeners will, will get, I guess the inside track on the personality side of some of the guys, but I know, I know you've got some great relationships in the clubhouse, but just give the guys a sense as particularly on, on Aguilar. Let's, let's talk on Aguilar. Oh, you know, just, well, I mean, <laughs> Aguilar is he's 
the funniest guy on the team. For me, he's the funniest guy on the team. Mm-hmm. And and that's really, you know, that's really big because we have a, a bunch of fun, fun, funny guys on, on the club. Uh, but Aguilar, he, I mean, I've known him for years. Um, I think we, we made a really good connection in 2018, especially when he had that great season with the Milwaukee Brewers. And he went to the All-Star game and home run derby and he was living, you know, he, he was having the time of his life. Mm-hmm. And But he also played in Venezuela. Uh, and I saw when he made his debut and he was that really big, strong, young kid, uh, kind of goofy and, you know, doing, you know, messing around. But he, of course, he, he always had a big potential. And But he's, he's joking all the time. Like, sometimes I'm chatting with him about you know whatever and he sends me you know like a meme or a joke or whatever and I'm like I mean what are you doing like <laughs> like what is this and uh I think I, I don't know if you I don't know if you saw it but after the game on Friday I mean the, the first game of the season on opening day he hit a homer and then I definitely saw the homer yeah so and when we started the the conference with him on Zoom he asked like when was the last time he, we won a, on opening day? And I opened the mic and I said, 2014. And he was like, hey, what's up, baby? What's up, Danny? How's everything going? Like, and I'm like, Jesus, like, shut up. Like, <laughs> you know, we have a bunch of writers and, you know, media listening. Uh, so, you know, you have to behave in, in this type of situation. And then yeah, he was yeah. like, Danny, what are you? Like, why are you not speaking? Like, ask me a question. I'm like, finish first in English and then you go with me in Spanish. Like, I don't care. <laughs> Okay, and there you but go. Things he's, like that, yeah. And he's he's a very, you know, lively character, no doubt. Yeah. Just what about, you know, he was at the Brewers. He had that All Star season. He was absolutely incredible in 2018. Then ended up at the Rays last year, and 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 now with the Marlins. How excited was he to you know to join the Marlins and you know with this young group and I guess have that. Well, for him, it's an opportunity, but equally, you know, a veteran opportunity too to kind of work with the young guys. Yeah, and, and that was key for him because he, when, when he played in, in Venezuela with uh, Leones del Caracas is the name of the team. You can call them the, the Lions. It's the, the translation. There you go. So <laughs> I, I see you have a Detroit Lions and, and uh, shirt. So <laughs> I, I guess that's your team. But, um, I mean, he, he was always surrounded by... Uh, experienced guys and, and veteran players, so he learned a lot from from them, and now he's carrying that to this to this young group. And that's that's for me that's the most important thing about Aggie being here because he knows that he has Lewin Diaz coming up, and he might be the first baseman of the future. I don't know for how long Aguilar is going to be here, um, but it's good for him to have, you know, um, for for Lewin to have that mentor, mm-hmm. and also it's good for Aggie, you know, to hey, you look on your mirrors and you see that the guy is right behind you. So you have to perform really well. But he also feel, feels very good because he's in Miami with a bunch of uh, Venezuelan, fellow country Venezuelans here in, in, in the city. So he can go to places to eat uh, same things he, he was eating in Venezuela so he can feel uh, at home. And he has Migi Rowe. He's been playing with Migi for, I mean, not with Migi, but against Migi for decades, for a decade. Uh, in, in Venezuela, they made his, their debut, I think, on the same season. Uh, and also, Cervelli, he's been a friend of Cervi for, for years. Uh, I think they were staying together in the same house, the same apartment um, during spring. 
that, that could have been that could have been a yeah, lively house. Of course, it was, <laughs> and and I had to, I had the opportunity not to share it with them at the apartment, but during the spring uh, in Jupiter and in, in the complex, and it was just so fun. And I I said like you know what I mean if you're if you're having that type of fun the same you had with Arcia or Hernan Perez and Julie Chassin in Milwaukee in 2018 18 if you have that confidence on you again you're gonna perform very well and that's what he's doing right now and that's really yeah. really important about Aguilar and that's why he's so happy to be here to be here and I'm so happy for him uh, because he's performing very well and and that's really good for the team. He started hot. No doubt yeah. about that. So yeah. I was really intrigued. I going into the season, I I had a I had I think it was a Saturday morning where I just kind of sat down and went, "Wow, this Aguilar signing like it's sneakily really good for the Marlins and also for Aguilar." But like I looked at it and thought, "Wow, this is it could be the perfect you know perfect man, perfect place, perfect time type of situation." Yeah. And I get the sense. I mean, well, you know, we've had two homers already, and you yeah, know, and. And for example, I think that he had maybe a little bit more pressure in 2019 with the Brewers mm -hmm. because he had that great season in 2018. Uh, the team won the division. So everybody was kind of expecting, you know, a lot from him. And he, he had a disappoint, disappointing season. Um, he didn't perform very well with the race. Uh, he, he was not even on the playoff roster. I think he was there for the... Uh, it was the the wild card game against the the Oakland A's, but uh, I saw him against the Astros because I covered that series, and he said like, you know what? I, I honestly, I'm not quite surprised because that team they don't have not even one lefty pitcher, so there's no reason for me to be to be in the, in the roster. Yeah. Yeah. But I feel good. And then in the off season, I asked him like, would you like to come here? And he was like, yeah, for sure, because I'm I'm gonna feel very good there because he's he's not going to have too much pressure mm -hmm. so he's going to be able to regain that confidence because he he's been playing in you know high leverage games in venezuela um with the indians as well with the brewers i mean he that guy played in game seven of the nlcs in, in 2018 that, that was a huge thing that was really close to a world series so it's not that is it is not new for him uh but it's you know it's really good sometimes to go back to basics you know, you know, and to play now on a very calm uh, atmosphere with this young group and also veterans like him, like Miggy, VR, Dickerson, Cervelli, uh, that's going to help him a lot. So I don't know what's, what's going to happen with him in the future. Um, but I think that this experience, experience with the Marlins is going to help him a lot. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I, I love the move, personally. I, I think it's, it's just perfect. Um, before we get into on the field action, we do need to talk about El Capitan. We have to, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it, it's, it's so important that we need, we talk about El Capitan because he is just the absolute heartbeat of this, this franchise now. And, and this, this ball club, it's, you know, we, the, the growth that he's shown is, is, has been incredible. I know you're, you're very close with Miggy. Um, just give us a sense as to, you know, how, bigger role he plays in the clubhouse now these days well it's i'm i'm really the word i, I can say about me is I, i'm i'm really pr proud of him because this is a, a kid that i've been watching since i was 10 years old 
11 years old when I'm 23 now, when he was 19 or 20 playing in Venezuela. So he was that skinny, thin guy um, with good hands, great shortstop, but no contact, no power. Um, couldn't hit. I mean, and I said, you know what, this guy is special. I saw tweets from 2011 saying, okay, this guy is going to, he has a bright future ahead of him because that, that defense is something off the charts. It's really special. So uh, then he started growing up, made his debut with the Dodgers in 2014. And Don, Donnie said, they brought this guy and they told, they told us, hey, he can really uh, go and, and do great plays at shortstop. He's a really good defender, but he can't hit. And then he started, you know, gaining that confidence playing high leverage games, playing in the postseason, mm -hmm. uh, that series against the Cardinals, the, the NLDS in, in 2014. And I said, you know what? I mean, this is good for, for Migi. He played in the finals in Venezuela in 2012, and he was the starting shortstop. And he was, I think, 21 at the time, 21, 22. I don't, I don't remember, but he was doing really good. So, okay, I mean, there's a lot of potential in this, in this guy. And then when they brought him to a Marlins, I said, you know what? This is amazing. And I was at the stadium in Venezuela when that happened. He, I was actually seeing him, you know, at shortstop. He's like, oh, man, this guy is going to Miami. I'm going to Miami, too, because at that time, I was, like, weeks away from, from moving to the U.S. And to see his development, mm. to, I mean, it, for, him, for him, it was so important to have Martin Prado on his side because his story and Martin's story is kind of similar mm -hmm. because Martin started as a utility guy in Atlanta, playing third base, shortstop, second base, first base outfield and Miggy's doing the same thing and um Martin got him under his wing and and that was really important to me and, and the way he he developed into the player he is now a respected hitter uh, a great shortstop one of the best in defenders in the league in, in you know in best baseball in general not only the NL East or the NL no baseball in general uh I think he's right there so uh, I'm really happy for him he's a great guy, a great leader. Uh, hopefully, he's gonna, you know, he, he's gonna win <laughs> this battle. I mean, he's feeling fine. He's doing good. Mm -hmm. uh, we saw him tweeting earlier today, and, and he's doing very well. But um, I know he's gonna come back stronger, uh, and he's gonna uh, be a lesson lesson for for all of those guys, especially for Migi. And I know he's gonna he's gonna do uh, really well. Yeah. I I'd echo that as well in terms of, you know, just excited to see the development continue. Like the development path has been, I think, very steep actually the last few years. Like it's, he's really kicked on. And I think the kind of, yeah, you're right. The, you're right to call out the, the Prado connection and, you know, under his wing and, you know, it, it, it's just perfect again, perfect timing, perfect mentor, like, it just fitted nicely. Um, so, okay, we're going into opening day. Um, what's the sense, what's your sense of this, you know, the why not us Marlins going into opening day, the 60 game sprint. I mean, we've heard these sentences many, many times. What's your sense of going into it um, in terms of what they can do? Well, going back to what we said about Aggie, and Cervelli and Migi, those guys playing winter ball. 
I said, you know what, this is the closest thing to, to a winter bowl season because they play always 60 games. So they know better than any other guy that the wins that, uh, that you get in the first couple of weeks are the ones that are going to help you to, to be in the postseason late in, in, in October. So I said, okay, this team can start really hot. And if they do it, they might have a chance to, to be in the postseason. Now with the expanded playoffs, that's going to be, that's going to help them, you know, to, to have a, a real chance. Well, first of all, we have to see what happens with them. <laughs> that's, that's the main thing. Now, now it's a little bit more complicated because they're going to have prospects and veteran players, even more veteran players, you know, with the team with Forsyth and Smith and the guys they acquired recently, Vendetti again. Um, so that's kind of, you know, blocking something on, on, on their path and, and their way to, to, to be successful. I mean, we don't know yet, but maybe it's better with them than without them, but um, that, that was kind of my, the sense I had, you know, this team can start really, really, really good, really good. Mm -hmm. And if they do it, they're going to be, they're going to be a problem for a lot of teams in the, in the NL East and also the AL East because they're going to face the Rays, the Red Sox, the Yankees, the Orioles, the Blue Jays. So, and again, to be playing for something that really matters in July, late July and, and late August, it's going to be crucial for them and, and their process uh, going into the, the near near future. So I think I'm I'm very excited for for this 60 game sprint. I think yeah, why why not them? Of course they they can make it. Uh, but well, first of all, we we got to see what happens with with them and, and the whole uh, COVID-19 uh, crisis that they're 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 living right now. Yeah, well let's let's park that just for a little bit. I, I, there's still a little bit of stuff we need to get into, like on the field. Someone we haven't really talked about uh, thus far, but we need to, was opening day starter, Sandy. Holy shit, that was one hell of a performance. <laughs> like, I mean, it was a late start in the UK. So, you know, I would had a few beers on board. I'm not going to lie. I watched the game. <laughs> you know, I enjoyed it. It was, but I must say, I'm not sure I've seen Sandy pitch better than that ever. Ever, right? I mean, even though he had two complete game shutouts that last year against the Mets and the Royals. And I go back to, to the All-Star game in Cleveland in, in 2019. Of course, everybody said, you know what, Sandy's here because, I mean, for, I mean it's the rule that every team – needs to have needs a player on you know on the all-star uh game roster so that's why sandy's here but i said okay he he might not have the numbers to be an all-star but he has the he has the stuff to be an all-star and the potential and the talent to be one uh i mean don't be surprised if he's here next year because of the numbers that that he puts not because he played on the Marlins, not but because because of his numbers because he's going to be that good and sandy we talked many times about this and he's, he always said, you know what? I want to be an ace. I want to be a number one on the rotation. When he was sent down in 2018, he was, I know he was upset. He was like, I want to be there. I know I don't want to be here anymore. I don't want to be here in AAA. I, I don't want to be in the minors. I'm, I know I'm ready for, for, for the big leagues and, and you know, to, to be a number one pitcher in a, on a big league rotation. And 
Sandy, Sandy told us, uh, told me in, in June of 2018, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be an ace one day. And I know he mentioned that a couple of times. And Donnie said, this guy wants to be an ace. But Donnie also said, I mean, if you want to be an ace, you have to, to work for it and you have to, to perform and you have to, to back up you know, everything that, that you're saying. And he done, he, he's, he's been doing that. Um, he's a hard worker. He came back stronger from the off season. He never stopped working during quarantine period. And I mean, he's fastball touching 97, 98, 99. He can throw a hundred whenever he wants. <laughs> I mean, breaking ball 92, 93. I mean, you don't see many pitchers with that, uh, speed on, on, on their breaking ball and now working with a changeup as well. And for him, it's going to be so important to have a guy like Cervelli behind the plate mm-hmm. uh, and now Fado, you know, having Servi as well. So I'm really excited about Sandy's future. He's going to be, he's going to be leading this rotation for, for the years to come uh, with Edward, with Sixto. I think that uh, trio of Dominicans, Edward, Sixto, Sandy, is going to be, just exciting. Uh, I don't know, Georgie Guzman, maybe. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be a starter or, or a reliever. But there are plenty of reasons to be excited about this Marlins uh, pitching rotation. Absolutely. I, I tell you the one, the one other wrinkle, though, which is, is crazy when we think about it. You've got all these, you've got the farm that is stacked at the moment, like crazily stacked. Plus then this what is the shortened draft where they go six picks, six, six arms. Picks, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's insane. I thought maybe, well, maybe they they get, you know, a hitter, maybe. I don't know if, if they get a catcher or something, mm-hmm. but then they, I mean, last, last year they got, you know, their, their first picks were uh, hitters, position players. But this year was completely the opposite. And then I said, you know what? I mean, this is great because now now you really have uh, a deeper, you know, pitching group in, in the farm system. Because last year, remember, they, they traded away Cy Gallen, uh, also a pitcher to, to the Twins in the Sergio Romo trade. So I said, you know what? I mean, even though you have a really nice group with Sixto and Guzman and Cabrera, I think you you need a you need a little bit more, and now they have Meyer, Fulton, and, and these guys. And I mean, uh, I can't can see can't wait, you know, to see them back on the field and, and doing what they do best. <laughs> Absolutely. How, how much like in in normal normal seasons? Um, how much time do you get to spend with you know some of the miners or or any of that? Because it's a big part of what the Marlins are about now. Yeah, fortunately, we have the Jupiter complex um, an hour and a half away from, you know, from, from my house in, in, in Miami. I live like 25 minutes away from, from Marlins Park, like 11 miles. Uh, but it's um, an hour and a half drive to Jupiter. So I travel three to four times to Jupiter to see the Hammerheads. And if a guy is rehabbing, and we, we go up there and, and see him. Uh, or last year, Bleday was making his debut. So we went to, to Jupiter to see Bleday and Cameron Meissner, uh, Osiris, Johnson, th- those guys, right? So that was really, really exciting. And, and yes, I, obviously you're, you're following them. What, what are they doing in, 
triple A and double A, uh, but we have the, the high A in Jupiter really close. So we go three to four times per year to, to see them. Well, it sounds, sounds awesome. I mean, chatting to some of the other guys on, on the podcast in the past couple of months, you know, it, it, it's funny. They said, when you look back at the Marlins farm system, you know, I guess pre Jeter and um, you know, it was not great at times. It was not great. It was not great. I mean, it, it was great at some point. Yeah. Because you remember, I mean, when, when they had Stanton and Ozuna and Yelich and Real Muto and Jose, um, they had Luis Castillo. I mean, and he's now he, one of the best pitchers in the game. And what he did last year with, with the Reds was just amazing. And I said, man. The, 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 I mean, these guys traded Castillo twice because remember that he was on the trade to, to the Padres and then he came yeah. back because Colin yeah. calling Ray had the, the, the elbow injury. So they sent him back and I was like, oh my goodness, like, please don't trade him. And then months months later, they traded him for Dan Straley because, I, I mean, I know they wanted to win. And I mean, they were, I, I, I think it was impossible. I know it was impossible to replace Jose Fernandez, mm -hmm. but I mean, when you think, when, when you go from Jose to Dan Straley and Edison Volkes, I mean, no disrespect to those guys, but I mean, there's no way you can make it uh, to the postseason or, or at least fight uh, through the end because it's going to be really difficult. Um, I'm sure that obviously it's costing, you know, the Marlins a lot right now or it cost them a lot, you know, maybe in 2018 or 19 by not having Luis Castillo, but now they have to, to do everything again. They've been doing that very well and they have the, the talent in the minors. I mean, we never know when, when we're going to have a Cy, maybe Cy Young candidate uh, right now on the team. Yeah. Well, I tell you, there's, there's some players here, just some little bits I didn't think we'd talk about, but we'll just quickly touch upon them. Edinson Volquez, um, I must say, he pitched one of the favorite games. I mean, it was obviously uh, the last no-hitter. It was yeah. the last no-hitter, right? Yeah. yeah. I, I watched that game in full, um, not live. I watched it in the morning, but I had no spoilers. So I watched it as it was live. It was awesome. Amazing. It was amazing. Awesome. And you know what? That, that was weeks before I started covering, maybe a week, a week and a half before I started covering the Marlins. And I didn't go to that game. They, I, there was a giveaway. It was a stand in uh, Giancarlo stand in home run derby bobblehead. But I didn't go because it was on the same day that Real Madrid was playing Juventus for the finals of the Champions League. Right. Okay. And my brother is a huge Real Madrid fan. Of course, I mean, in Spain, I like Real Madrid. Of course, I'm a Man United fan, but I like Real Madrid. Mm -hmm. And I said, and my brother told me, like, like we didn't see the, the finals in 2014. Uh, together, so we should well, we should we should watch this one. I was like, okay, so I'm I'm not going to the game. And then Volky was on the fifth inning with an over. I was like, oh my goodness, just oh, something no. get get a hit, someone get a hit, please. I mean, I want Volky <laughs> to win. You can throw a complete game, whatever, but just don't be an over man. Like, like <laughs> I want to see one in person. I've never seen one no an over in person. Incredibly, never. So I was like, oh my god, this is happening. I I was so happy. But at the same time, I was looking to my brother like, I mean, when are we going to see a no-hero again? And then um, Real Madrid won the next year against Liverpool. 
yay. <laughs> so I was like, see, I mean, they, 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 they won. I mean, in 2018, I told him they won this year as well. They won three times in a row. When, are, when is it going to be the next time you're going to see a, a no hitter in person? No, never. So, yeah. <laughs> I was, that, that was, I feel so bad about it. <laughs> Bulky, I tell you, I, I'm pretty sure I, I've heard someone else with a similar story similar ish story who should have been there but didn't go there maybe craig i, I it could maybe be craig maybe, maybe mish maybe mish because mish uh if you go on, on slingsandmish.com on his bio he says i've never seen an hitter in person oh there you go it must have been Craig. so, yeah. so he, he's been covering the team since 98 and they they they've had four no hitters since then he never goes with, um, <laughs> with AJ Burnett, uh, Anibal Sanchez, Henderson Alvarez, and Volquez. Like, how do you miss Henderson's no hitter if it was the last game of the season in 2013? I never asked Craig about it. I'm gonna ask. Like, him how do you how, like how do you miss that? Like, it was the last game of the season. How do you, how do you miss the chance? But I don't know. <laughs> well, he was already on the beach, I guess. I don't know, but yeah. I don't know. It's it was possible. on a Sunday, so maybe, yeah. Hey. Um... Hey, that that it, it's funny. I didn't think we'd be talking about Volky today, but that's that. No, that's me neither. Um, the other the other point you made there, talking about Luis Castillo, um, I I asked David Sampson a few months few months back, I think now, about what his worst trade was that he ever made, and I, I think he called that one out from memory. Yeah. Anyway, he said the the Luis Castillo one. Well, and now Chris Paddock for sure. And Paddock too, yeah. <laughs> Paddock for sure. Yeah, exactly. I mean. Yeah, they trades though. The thing is, yeah. when you have a couple of years to look back on them, exactly. You know, exactly. They they don't and both, age both 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 traded to San Diego because they traded traded Paddock first, and then they traded Castillo and Josh Naylor, and they they and was it um, Carter Caps wasn't that trade too? Uh, the the one that has a weird mechanic. Well, they all traded traded them. So, but well, yeah, that everything is that's that's on the past and. Exactly. Now we we need to see it in the present and future of this team. Let's let's keep it rolling. So yeah. okay, Sandy was incredible on the mound. Opening day was a lot of fun. Saturday, it didn't go well. Saturday, I mean, Smithy called it well. He just said it was a horseshit outing, which I think yeah. was was fair in some ways. And um, too many double plays. Like it was just you know the Marlins just played badly. In yeah. all in all aspects, really, yeah. um, and then came to came to Sunday, you know, before the game, we're waiting on the Zoom call, pre-game. Where's Donny? No Donny. Where's the lineup? No lineup. You know, rumors are circulating. What's going on? Next thing is, you know, we get words, Arrange scratched. No reason, as is the way they're handling these things. Fair enough. Arrange's gone couple of other guys are missing um but the marlins played very well i mean dougie came in and you know rough start but you know got into it and then you know the offense powered them to victory in some ways and the, and the bullpen did the job i mean there were some hairy moments but wow what a to come out of that with a 2-1 win i mean there was a I'm still sweating now thinking about it. What about you? Yeah, it's 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 a it was a roller coaster, right? I mean, <laughs> that morning, my my first thought when when they were so late um, with the lineup, I said, you know what, maybe something might be happening. 
And of course now it's it's a whole different thing because maybe, you know, in the past we went to the ballpark and for a Sunday game, we got there at nine, maybe 10 in the morning. So we have the lineup and we can talk to the players and see that and see if, every, if something happened and talk to them like, hey, what happened? What are you hearing? What's what's going on? Or you can see it by yourself. But of course, in, on these times, it, it's impossible to do it because you, you don't have that type of access. And I said, you know what, something might, might be happening. Then we saw what happened with the, with the call. They told us, hey, uh, Ureña, it's not going to pitch. It's not going to pitch today. Dogger is pitching. Here's the lineup. Harold and Coop, they were missing. So, okay, we we might know what, what's happening. I mean, remember that teams cannot say uh, who tested positive or not uh, if they don't receive permission from the players. And even if they do it, the team has to be, you know, able to 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 do it. I mean, if, if they don't want to do it, they, they just they just won't do it. I, th- I think the Marlins don't, don't want to handle it that way. Or, I mean, they're handling that way, but they're not going to tell us when a player tested positive or not. So I said, well, we know what's going on. And now these guys have four players on the IL and they have to face the Phillies and they just found out couple of hours before his first pitch. How are they going to win today? I don't know. Because they, they might have some, I don't know, fear or whatever. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, the viruses are around them. You know, eventually, I mean, we saw what happened. And now we have 17, 18 guys uh, with the virus. So I said, you know what? I mean, that, what these guys did was amazing, was incredible. One of the best wins uh, for this team, you know, ever in, in the 27 year history uh, they, they have and I don't know I'm so excited uh, to see them again tomorrow here at Martin's Park and then we all woke up with the news you know with I, I think it was nine more players with uh, you know with the virus and I said you know what this is this is a bummer uh, this is really sad because the way they played on Sunday I think it was a, a really like a trailer, you know, from what we're, we're about to see in, yeah. in the other 57 games. So, I mean, we got to wait. Was there, right? we, we, um, yeah, the blueprint, the blueprint, the blueprint was there. And, of course, they're going to be uncomfortable for a lot of teams. And and I know that the more they doubt doubt them, I mean, you saw someone on the, on the Phillies broadcast saying, yeah, they're bottom feeders. Of course, that didn't sit well. And when Miggy tweeted, you know, yeah, just a bunch of bottom feeders that – beat the Phillies, you know, in, in, in the first series of the season. And Miggy said it in Spanish, like, we're not just sending a message to the Phillies. We're sending a message to 29 teams in the league that we, we, we can do it. And then again, why not us and, and all of that. But right now it's a, it's a challenging time. I know they're going to learn from it, learn from it. I'm not saying they're culpable for this because I, I think they're not, even though, they should have said, you know what, we're not playing. Uh, and the Phillies should have said, hey, we're not going to play against you guys. But mm-hmm. most important, the league should have stopped that on Sunday. Like, hey, if you guys have four players that tested positive, they were exposed during the series, during the first two games against the Phillies. The Phillies were exposed too. So I, 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 don't, I don't see why you just go and throw these guys out there, you know, risking their lives. I mean, yeah. because really that's what they're doing. Not only their lives, but their families as well. And unfortunately, 
this happen. So yeah, ho hopefully, I mean, they're going to get through this uh, sooner rather than later, and they're all going to be healthy and, and back on the field. But of course, it's like receiving a, a punch, you know, in, in straight in your face. Absolutely. Where, where, does, where does this lead for the Marlins now? I mean, we, are, we record this now. We're, we're Thursday night, my time, and Thursday evening, I guess, or afternoon, your time. The Marlins definitely won't be playing until Monday the earliest. Um, but yeah. in all likelihood, you know, that may sound optimistic too. So how do you see this playing out for, for them? I mean, we've missed at least a week's worth of baseball now. An Orioles series, definitely, or two series, but four games with the O's, three with the Nats. We're scheduled to be playing against Philadelphia on Tuesday, Tuesday. in Miami, though, right? I mean, yeah. um, the well, Marlins are still in, Miami, in mm -hmm. Philadelphia, too. So, mm -hmm. could they flex? Well, maybe? I mean, to be quite honest, like, this is not an information or something. This is just an opinion. I don't think they're going to be able to, to play in Miami. Um you know, maybe in a week or two, um, because because of everything that's that's happening. I think that the the league might reschedule. You know, the games uh, they they have to make 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 those games up because now they've lost a week of playing, and in that six, sixty game season, I mean, you have to do something. Like every team needs to play sixty games, right? Uh, or at least fifty eight, fifty seven. Yeah. Um, and the Marlins they have to do something. The league has to do something with the Marlins. Maybe double headers, maybe no days off, or or something like that. But they have to do something. Right now, we we have no information because they're still waiting for more results. And I think that the more they have a at least one guy testing positive, the more difficult it's going to be for them to to play again. Um, you know, Thursday morning we learned that uh, another player tested positive. Of course, we. We don't know anything about that player or who, who he is or, or, you know, those type of details. And now we have to, to wait, uh, wait and see. And Monday sounds pretty optimistic. Tuesday sounds pretty optimistic as well. The mayor of, of Miami-Dade County said uh, the Marlins should follow the protocol and be in quarantine for 14 days um, and, you know, to be able to play again, you know, at Marlins Park. Then the... Ron DeSantis said, you know what, I mean, we're going to make an ex exception with them. Uh, but I think they have to, to reschedule everything. And maybe we, we're going to see the Marlins playing in the middle of August here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot. I mean, the, the thing you highlighted there at the end was Thursday morning, another player positive, right? So, you know, it isn't it, it isn't stopping just, just now. So it, it's still... Still people testing positive. And I think the interesting bit as well is how they learn. And what you said there, it was, which is interesting, the Phillies today, you know, they had a couple of tests linked to their clubhouse, not players per se, um, but they shut it down straight away. Yeah. And, you know, all of a sudden, maybe the approach will be different on this one. Um, and, you know, MLB will learn to handle things differently. It should have been there at the start, right? I mean, should have been there. It you know. should have been like that, and because maybe, I mean, what if the Marlins said, we, we don't know this, but what if they said, you know what, we we're not gonna, we're, we we're not gonna play. I mean, we we cannot play with four guys, you know, uh, with the virus. Yeah. What if the Phillies said, I mean, 
we were exposed, we're not going to play either. But then we'll be told them, hey, you know, you know what, you just have to, to go and play because all the, the TV compromises that we might have and, and all of that stuff. I don't know if, if it happened like that, but let's say that it happened that way. Um, the league is losing a lot more than, than just one game because now you lost the Marlins for a week. You lost the Blue Jays uh, for the weekend too. You lost the Phillies. You lost Sears with the Yankees. The Nationals are losing as well. Uh, so, yeah, I mean it's it's even worse for MLB. And the, I mean, if you want if you want to make it to the end with this season, with thirty teams, if something like this happens, you have to stop it right away. Yeah, you have to shut down that team for two to three to four days, and then you you see how you you make it up. But I mean, you cannot be doing, you know, like free painting or whatever, like, hey, this is happening also. Okay, I mean, I'm going to do it just like, like this. Um, no, I mean, you, you need a plan and you need to get your things together with the owners, with the GMs, with the managers, with the players and say, hey, if something like this happens, I mean, this is the plan, this is the protocol that we're going to follow so we can make it to the end because if not you're gonna you're gonna lose a lot not not only because i mean because of you're not gonna be playing but imagine how embarrassing would be for mlb to stop the season and then you have the nba the nfl the nhl um nascar mls every single sport in the u.s and around the world yeah you know playing in, in the middle of a pandemic and why i mean why MLB is, you know, it's shut down. I mean, it shouldn't be that way. You're America's pastime, so act like you are, you know, the, the main sport here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, it would be a missed opportunity in many ways, but, you know, the virus isn't, you know, the virus is there, right? You know, it's that's the problem. Um, what are the, just to, to wrap up on, What's the sense from the guys? Because I know you're in touch with the guys. I know you've got some some good relationships with the guys, and I won't ask you to go into any you know details or anything. Uh, but what's the sense from the guys now? We're obviously quarantined up in in a hotel in Philly, but how are they feeling about things? Are they still optimistic? Yeah, I mean they've been optimistic since since day one, uh, and everything that happened during quarantine period. Um, we saw what Harold said on TV. Uh, that he's feeling, he's doing fine. Uh, the team is doing fine. They feel well. Uh, the atmosphere is good. Um, Miggy said on a couple of tweets that they're doing good and they're hoping to to be back on the field again soon. So, uh, judging you know on, on on what we have now, uh, you know what Harold said and Miggy said, I think they're doing good. And and yeah, I mean, hopefully. I mean, this is going to make them uh, stronger for what's next because, of course, they're going to face a, uh, a really tough schedule. Um, yeah. Starting, I don't know when, anyway. it's going to be. It's, it's going to be really tough anyway. <laughs> and if they have to play double headers or no days off or whatever, it's going to be really tough for, for them. So I guess they're, they're going to be fine and they're going to be even stronger. Yeah. I think that's a good way to end it. Like it's a good, it's a good sentence, strong sentence to end it, I think. So let's wrap it up there. I mean, Danny, that's been an awesome, awesome chat. And I've really enjoyed that. Um, for those that don't follow you, Twitter handle, where can they get you? 
Yeah. Uh, so it's at Daniel Alvarez EE. EE stands for El Extra Base. Um, and that's my Twitter handle. You can, uh, I tweet obviously in Spanish, mostly in Spanish, but in, Eng in English as well. Um, I mean, if you have any doubt, you can hit the translate button or, or ask me, send me a tweet if you have any, any question. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm so thankful with you for giving me this opportunity to, you know, to be with the UK listeners. Uh, I love the UK. I mean, that's, that's on the top of my bucket list. The first um, country I want to visit in East England and then hopefully go around. But, you know, it's, it's a goal for me. Hopefully I can, I can see you there. Absolutely. Um, go to games, you know, whatever, have a couple of beers, fish and, yeah, well. fish and chips and, and, you know, talk about baseball, football and, and all, all of us. <laughs> Absolutely talking my language now. So yeah, we've got we've got football, we've got beers, we've got fish and chips. I mean, sounds awesome. When things return to normal, make sure make sure you make that happen. Um, well, I, ha I have to confess something. Um, of course, I've, I've been a Man United fan my whole life. Um, so because I love British football and World Cups and Euros and everything, I always I support England every on every single tournament like i, I think i'm the only venezuelan you're a not punishment really, then. <laughs> yeah but i mean of course i love my my national team but i mean if england is playing like for me there's nothing more important that day unless venezuela is playing on the same day wow. and but i mean i i love it and wayne rooney was my favorite player uh <laughs> as a kid uh yesterday was michael carrick's birthday so he was one of my favorite players too so so yeah it's been it's been pretty fun well, you've just, you've just made me think as well, just thinking about like, you know, dual, I don't know, nationalities or whatever. I, I spotted something on, on Out of the Park um, Baseball where, uh, and I didn't realize this, but Jazz, Jazz actually, I think, played for Great Britain um, in, in, I think, it was a couple of years ago. There's some sort of connection where Jazz played for Great Britain in maybe like a World Baseball Classic qualifier or something so i need to dig that out i need to a i need to get jazz on the pods that's that's one of the things i need to make happen at some point so try my best yeah, uh, hopefully that's that's going to happen really soon hopefully we can see the uk uh in the wbc here in miami uh unfortunately that's not going to happen in 2021 no that's that's the thing that you know that i mean that's the most most painful for me because the wbc is so fun yeah so fun when, when your country is playing i mean because I mean, if we go to, to Venezuela in, in football, like, oh, I mean, we, we're not very good. Um, <laughs> we've never been to, to a World Cup. We've been close, but we've never been into, really in, into one. So, you know, when, when it comes to baseball, that's the real chance that we, we have to, to win something. So it's really exciting to see the, the U.S. And, and the Dominican Republic and Venezuela and Puerto Rico. I mean, I mean, there are powerhouses, right, mm -hmm. uh, in this game. So uh, it's going to be really exciting. And, I mean, you know, to, to see a British team playing that tournament would be really fun too. It would be awesome. I know. Uh, I agree. So let's, let's hope that happens. If that does happen, so there's Great Britain playing in, in Miami whenever it's rearranged or whatever's going on. I, I'm going to make sure I'm on the plane for that too. For sure. You know, there for we sure. go. There's my commitment there. Um, Danny Alvarez, that was a lot of fun, buddy. I've, I've really enjoyed that. I hope you did too. Um, thanks so much oh, for, for sure. the time. 100%. I, I know you've got so much going on, so really appreciate it.
Um, guys, that's episode 54 in the books. Danny, we'll, we'll hope to have you on in the next couple of weeks. And thanks again, buddy. For, and, um, for sure. Whenever you want. Thank you so much, Peter. Good man. Bye.